ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. You are listening to Breakdown, an exclusive podcast by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This season, Predator M.D., part of the Journal-Constitution's special investigative project, Doctors and Sex Abuse. You can learn more about the project and this podcast at ajcbreakdown.com. Previously on Breakdown. Looks like this guy, for the board to give him his license, was, in hindsight, was a big mistake. Dr. Narendra Gupta walks out of the Fulton County Jail to a barrage of reporter questions. Love to hear what you, you have to say about Do you it. care about your... He ignored each one. One of the things that we very strongly believe that destiny, what will be, will be. I just don't want, like, another person to happen the same thing, you know, as me. And um, just to, to not happen to one other person again. In the spring of 2009, Atlanta authorities caught a serial sexual predator. Two and a half years later, they brought him in front of a judge. He walked into the courtroom having been indicted on charges that could mean decades in state prison. Then his mugshot posted on the state's sex offender registry ever after. It was time for Dr. Narendra Vinny Gupta to be served a helping of Georgia justice. Police and prosecutors had found out all about the horrors inside Dr. Gupta's clinic. Young women manipulated into standing with their hands against the wall while the doctor touched them from behind. A 17-year-old high school student left hysterical in tears with bruising on her breasts. A woman touched him properly even as her boyfriend sat there in the examining room. Once you are labeled as somebody who's abused women, everybody abandons you. Authorities had documented a years-long pattern. It was all there in the Fulton County District Attorney's case file. The incidents and accusations stretching from Canada to Ohio to the Atlanta suburbs. A stack of statements from all the women who came forward after Gupta hit the nightly news with stories of humiliation and exploitation. Now, the reckoning. Dr. Gupta had to answer for what he did. And what would that answer be? I mean, the media kept on talking about this person and that person, and, and they would never show their faces. And then I was massacred in the media, and I never could ever rise up again. Welcome to Episode 5 of Breakdown. I'm Johnny Edwards, an investigative reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you've come this far in the series, You've heard a lot of gut-wrenching, stomach-turning accounts of a doctor abusing women in his exam rooms and in workplaces. Women who put faith in him. Women who came to him for help. There's a reason a lot of these women wanted you to hear their stories. See, they would never get to say these things inside a courtroom, to the doctor's face. None of the victims was there in court that day. 
Gupta was there, of course, dressed impeccably, saying little. His defense counsel was there, high-powered Atlanta attorney Drew Fendling. Even for a big-league lawyer who's represented sports legends and politicians, this case sticks out in his mind. You're not going to see as many of these cases. You can go to an arraignment calendar right now and watch drug case after drug case after drug case, burglary case after burglary case after burglary case, but you'll have a hard time to sit around the Fulton County Courthouse or the Gwinnett or the Cobb or DeKalb or Douglas and find a doctor charged with these crimes um, anytime in the near future. Assistant District Attorney John Caldwell was there. Caldwell took over the case after the prosecutor originally assigned to it went to work elsewhere. LaToya Kelly's personal attorney was there too. Nine months earlier, Bob McFarland had won LaToya a $251,000 jury verdict. But Gupta wasn't paying up. It was wrong. What he did was wrong to her. And, you know, I have fairly high morals, and uh, I just, it really repulsed me what he did. And like I say, I thought about, what if that was my daughter? What if it was my wife? When McFarland found out what was happening in Superior Court Judge Sean LaGrua's courtroom that day, he wanted to be there. Judge LaGrua, a career prosecutor before her appointment to the bench, peered down at Gupta. For two decades, he had largely evaded punishment for behavior that would have sent other men to prison, or the poorhouse, or both. But the system that is supposed to protect patients from physician abuse broke down time after time after time. An Ohio hospital recruiting Gupta from Canada in spite of allegations that he'd improperly touched a medical intern in Saskatchewan. You guys knew when you brought him here he had done this in Canada. Two Ohio hospitals handling attacks on nurses internally, sending the doctor out for treatment instead of turning him over to police. In fact, if you discuss this with anyone, I would be fired. The Ohio Medical Board looking into Gupta, but not taking any public action. I'm pretty confident I brought it up. The Georgia Medical Board failing to look deeper into Gupta's notations in the National Practitioner Data Bank before rubber stamping his license application. Data Bank, Ohio said we didn't take formal action. That was it, it was over. A Fulton County police officer brushing off a school teacher's 2005 report. Like for whatever reason, I wasn't taken very seriously. The Georgia Medical Board having looked into Gupta twice, we don't know why, and with all that history sitting in files in the Lima, Ohio courthouse, not doing anything until all of this mess spilled out into the light. Emergency service, Derek Schwing, can I I need to do a uh, sexual abuse report. On that day in court in Atlanta, Gupta faced three charges. Count one, aggravated sexual battery, a serious felony, using his finger to penetrate a 22-year-old college student. Counts two and three, sexual battery, misdemeanors, fondling LaToya and the 17-year-old girl. At one point, court records show, the Fulton County District Attorney contemplated calling at least four other women to testify. Marjorie Jacobs from Ohio, Crystal Douglas from Atlanta, the Russian immigrant who worked as Gupta's receptionist, and the school teacher. But not a single one would be called on to speak. I wish I could play you audio tape of what was said inside Judge LaGrua's courtroom on Tuesday, September 6, 2011. But the proceedings weren't recorded because there was no trial. All we have is a 26-page transcript of Gupta's plea hearing. Findling, his attorney, and the DA's office had cut a deal. Here's Findling. Regarding count one, we did not believe that count one was provable as a felony, which is a minimum mandatory of 25 years. And I don't think that I was the only one with that thought. 
I think, that when prosecutors were looking at the case and looking at their own evidence, because they in turn handed that evidence to me, I think that they probably uh, agreed with that assessment. With that charge off the table, Gupta no longer faced the prospect of decades in prison, and he wouldn't have to register as a sex offender. But the Fulton County District Attorney's Office and Judge LaGrua went beyond that concession. According to the hearing transcript, Caldwell described for the judge in detail what Gupta did to the women, adding that if the case had gone to trial, a point of contention would have been whether he penetrated the 22-year-old. The felony charge hinged on that. Caldwell said Gupta's nurses would have testified about him being touchy-feely with them. Another ex-employee would have described getting a breast exam when she complained about back pain. The former nurse in Ohio was ready to testify that Gupta had assaulted her, and the prosecution would have brought up the lost hospital privileges. Judge LaGrua asked the doctor, how do you plead? Guilty, Gupta said. Are you in fact guilty, she asked him. He answered, yes. The judge accepted the deal. This was Gupta's sentence. Give up his Georgia medical license, which had already been suspended. Never practice medicine again. Not in Georgia, not in the United States, not anywhere in the world. No contact with LaToya, the high school student, or the college student. Once the lawsuits are resolved, leave the United States. Three years on probation, with the probation to be suspended once he left the country. In other words, settle your affairs, leave, behave yourself, and be done with it. No jail time. Most of the women who came forward never knew about these terms. God, Jesus, burnt that, he got that. That's Gretchen Olds, the nurse practitioner from the 2007 job interview incident. He ruined how many people's lives and he got that. Jeez. LaToya Kelly, one of his last victims, I don't feel like it was, it was justice. You probably looked at as, oh, well, this is just somebody who wants money, or oh, this is just somebody who wants fame, or we have murderers, or we have um, dope dealers on the street. We have bigger cases we need to worry about. This one is just a little petty. She'll be okay. Go see a counselor, go see somebody. Marjorie Jacobs said someone in Georgia, maybe from the police department, told her she didn't need to come down and testify, that Gupta was going to prison, probably for about 15 years. All this time, Marjorie thought that's what had happened to Vinnie Gupta until I called her for this podcast. It just keeps going, and I just don't know why they can't stop him. They should be stopping him. It just keeps going. So about this deal, we have a man facing jail time with a train of victims willing to testify that he criminally abused them. And all he has to do is leave the country? Usually prosecutors are trying to prevent criminals from leaving the country. I wanted to find out why the district attorney's office, knowing all about Gupta's past and what the victims went through, would agree to this. I talked to both of the assistant district attorneys who handled it. Both have left the Fulton DA's office. The first one said he couldn't recall much. The second one told me the victims were in agreement with the deal. In my research, I found the complete opposite. I mean, it's a slap on the wrist. No. Why would I agree to that? Susan Witt, the civil attorney for the high school student, doesn't recall her client ever being asked for her blessing. 
I don't believe so. And I mean, that really is a laughable plea deal. I also wanted to review the DA's internal communications on this, but the state's open records law doesn't grant me access to that information. But I did come across one form that shows who ultimately approved the Gupta plea deal, Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard. I reached out to Mr. Howard early in my research, way back in November 2016, sending emails, making calls, never getting any yes or no response to my interview request. Finally, in March, I ran into Mr. Howard outside a county commission meeting. Hey, Mr. Howard. I'm Johnny Edwards from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. How are you? What's been going on with you? Not too much. Good to see you. I've uh, been trying to set up an interview with you for a couple months about a uh, case your office worked on back in 2011 with a doctor named uh, Narendra Gupta. Yeah, the uh, and, uh, sexual battery cases. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Howard asked when I could come in and talk. We scheduled an appointment. He said he needed to read up on the case to refresh his memory before we met again. Before we parted ways, I let him know what my number one question would be. Okay, yeah, one o'clock team, you said? Yeah, one o'clock on Tuesday. Okay. Do you recall why you agreed to, uh, to probation as opposed to jail time? I suspect it was probably there because he was leaving, mm -hmm. you know. So we probably were trying to decide whether or not to pay money to house him or to let him go back. Right. And I think, I'm, I'm just, I have to go back and look at the file, but my recollection is that that was probably the thinking. And it's so, um, just so he got out of the country, we were sure he wasn't going to harm anybody in our county again. LaToya figured the reasoning might have gone something like that. Basically to go ahead and wash their hands of it. We've dealt with it for long enough. We got bigger fish to fry. Let's go ahead and get rid of it. Get him out of our hair. Send him on to the next place to somebody else. Let it be somebody else's problem. Because if you start in Canada, you move from Canada to Ohio to Georgia, you obviously have a pattern. The Gupta case wasn't finished making LaToya miserable, but we'll get to that later in this episode. That interview with D.A. Paul Howard to get the full story never happened. The first time I went to his office, he said he still wasn't brushed up enough to speak about the 2011 decision. So I rescheduled, giving him another week. An hour before that interview was to take place, I got this call from Howard's spokesman. Hey, Johnny, it's Dante Carter over at the uh, DA's office. I was giving you a ring. We had something come up here today, and uh, Mr. Howard won't be able to do the interview. Um, I hope you are not in route just yet. Actually, I was just headed to my car at the time. There's a lot I don't understand about what happened. Like, if the Russian immigrant and Crystal Douglas were going to be called as witnesses, why wasn't Gupta charged with abusing them too? Both of those incidents were within the statute of limitations for misdemeanors. And what about what the former assistant DA told me about the victims being on board with the plea deal? During the hearing, as he was driving home the deal, he said this about the victims, that they, quote, did not wish to be in the same room as the defendant and would like the court to know that they are in agreement with the plea here today and all would like to move on, end quote. Judge LaGrua even gave that as a reason for accepting the negotiated plea. In fact, the victims I talked to said it's not what they wanted at all. I honestly wish he would have did jail time, and I don't mean... A year for every victim. And he should have been sentenced to some time. I don't understand it. I don't know why he's not behind bars. I, I just don't understand it. And just granted the, the scale of this, he should have been given some serious jail time. Make him suffer. Make him pay for what he did to us. And I can't believe that he just keeps getting granted freedom in the ways that he needs it. 
How does this guy keep getting away with it? That's what I don't understand. He's a physician. They always win. Of course, it wasn't ever up to them. There was one more person I asked to explain the plea deal. Gupta himself. I'm not sure I want to get into all this uh, now because uh, I could not get justice in America. He told me he was framed by a disgruntled employee, that the police and the media went after him because he's Indian. As for admitting to it in court, he put that on Drew Findling. Two years later, after these accusations, you agreed to the plea deal. Why did you agree to the, to the plea deal from Fulton County? That's what the lawyer advised me to do. Okay. What were the terms of that plea deal? I, I don't want to be discussing all this with uh, anybody on the phone because this is all behind me and I don't want to get into this any more than it's necessary. He ended the call shortly thereafter. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I may have had trouble getting straight answers, but an explanation for the plea deal is out there. We just have to pull the camera back again. Dolly back. Pull up. Aerial view. Higher. All the way out into space, looking down on the USA. In our research for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Doctors and Sex Abuse Project, we came across a glaring trend. Physicians facing harrowing abuse allegations, but getting off light again and again. We found a whole stratum of cases that were never reported to law enforcement. The doctors shielded by hospitals or state medical boards. But even when police and prosecutors did step in, more often than not, physicians managed to avoid prison, avoid felony records, and stay off the sex offender registry, making medical boards less likely to pull their license to practice. Here's Danny Robbins, one of the lead reporters. What we found so many times is felony sexual cases are pled down to some sexual battery misdemeanor. In the criminal justice system, it's a negotiation, and the doctors have attorneys who are good negotiators, better than the average person who gets caught up in that system. So it gets negotiated. If you can get a felony negotiated to a misdemeanor, you're not listed as a sex offender. Sometimes doctors emerged without any charges sticking at all. Prosecutors in Buffalo, New York, dropped misdemeanor charges against obstetrician-gynecologist Ivan D'Souza after he agreed to stay out of legal trouble for a year, even though 11 patients had accused him of sexually abusing and forcibly touching them. There were cases in which prosecutors seemed to think that loss of a medical license was punishment enough. The trial of Dr. Jamal Ahmad ended abruptly in Ocala, Florida, once he agreed to surrender his license. Prosecutors dropped charges of inappropriately touching 14 women. In Oklahoma, 10 patients and 7 employees came forward accusing Dr. Medhat Michael of groping and unrelenting sexual advances, but then prosecutors dropped all charges against him a few days after Dr. Michael agreed to surrender his license. Attorney Nicole Snap Holloway represents two former employees suing Michael. She said she can't fathom why the district attorney would punt what seemed like a strong case. 
Her clients were devastated. Taking away the criminal penalties for that, even if he's losing his license, that's not in their mind, and my, uh, I agree, that's not telling him that this really is wrong under the law. That's saying you can get out of it if you really want to. I spoke to legal experts about this trend, and they gave me a list of reasons prosecutors often back off from doctors. For starters, the cases have low priority. In many states, like Georgia, groping an adult is a misdemeanor offense. The evidence can be flimsy. Short of physical evidence, the cases might hinge on a patient's word versus a doctor's word, and physicians can claim what they did was a legitimate medical procedure that the patient misinterpreted. The cases can fall apart easily. As in all sexual assault cases, victims may get spooked and decide not to testify. The defendants have no priors. Doctors rarely have criminal records that can be used to impugn their character. The cases get messy. Patients, the non-abused ones, often turn out in droves to rally around their doctor. All of this amounts to a potential for an embarrassing loss. Prosecutors fear juries can't be sufficiently swayed to convict a nice-looking, well-spoken, highly intelligent physician. After all, we're conditioned to trust and respect these men. Association of Prosecuting Attorneys President David Laban. When you have an individual who looks just like the jurors, or actually maybe even looks a little nicer, they look at them and say, they couldn't have done this. Or, and, and that gets that, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. And, you know, it might have happened, but uh, he just made a mistake. You know, am I going to vote to make the individual or call the individual a criminal? Uh, I, I can't do that. If there is an opportunity, and most of these come from the defense, not from the prosecutor, but from the defense, and, you know, Mike, Mike if you drop the felony, he'll plead to a misdemeanor and he'll give up his license. Now, sitting down with the victim and saying, do you want to go forward and testify? Or should we accept uh, the deal? And yes, I think in many situations, in my work with victims, most of the time the victims, if he's willing to say, I did it, that's a, a huge deal to them. And things like he's no longer going to be a doctor is also a big deal to that individual victim that nobody else is going to be victimized. There's also the public to consider. Ron Carlson is a University of Georgia Law School professor and an expert in rules of evidence. Prosecutors, appropriately, are not cavalier with public money. They want to bring cases that they've got a good assurance of winning. I think many members of the public think, why not just take a shot at it? Well, uh, that's not the way the system works. Uh, the prosecutors are supposed to husband the public dollars and make sure that the cases they bring have a strong assurance that they will win. And while DAs might be concerned about the public's money, Doctors typically get the best legal representation money can buy. Gupta didn't just retain any criminal defense attorney to represent him. Drew Findling is one of Atlanta's best. We spoke to him for this podcast in his Buckhead office. Framed newspaper stories of his courtroom victories line the wall. There's the acquittal of Clayton County Sheriff Victor Hill on racketeering charges. There's the dismissal of a criminal prosecution against a former high-profile district attorney for misusing public funds. He's also represented Shaquille O'Neal and Dennis Rodman. He recently obtained the acquittal of rapper Waka Flocka Flame, who was tried for carrying a concealed weapon at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. Before talking to us about the case, he pulled four banker's boxes of Gupta's files out of storage. So when I was hired on the case, my first goal 
um, was to free Dr. Gupta up to a, a certain degree. And uh, it was a gradual process. Okay. But as I remember, uh, he was on an ankle monitor and he had sort of a home confinement. Uh, he, he had hours that he could not be outside of his home. And uh, I sought to have that change. Over time, there were a series of motions to modify that I filed. We got to the point where uh, he was able to domestically travel and eventually even got to the point where he was given back his passport and was able to internationally travel. And at the culmination of the case, um, he was actually going back and forth to India, if I remember correctly, because I can specifically remember um, Judge LaCrua even making a comment about the defendant in this case has been honoring his court appearances um, by actually coming back sometimes from India for court, which was, which was true. I would imagine, given the population of India and the amount of uh, rural communities there, he clearly could have disappeared in India, um, but he didn't do that. Remember how after Gupta was arrested, he had trouble making bond? While he was spending 15 nights in the Fulton County Jail, Latoya Kelly sued him for assault and sexual battery. That summer, the 17-year-old high school student who would spend years in therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder filed suit against him too. Gupta's strategy was to make both of them chase him through the court system, ducking, dodging, and stalling at every turn. Both civil case files show plaintiff's attorneys becoming increasingly frustrated by Gupta's delay tactics. After much wrangling, Susan Witt, the teenager's attorney, took the doctor's deposition in July 2010. She planned to depose him twice that day, once as the corporate officer for the Diabetes and Hypertension Center, then again as an individual. Here she is trying to get straight answers about policies and procedures to establish corporate liability. Was there a policy and procedure concerning the examination of female patients? No. Was there a policy and procedure in place setting forth any requirements for a parent to be present for the examination of a minor patient? I advise you to take the fifth. I take the fifth. Was there any requirement for the Diabetes and Hypertension Center, Inc. to have a female chaperone present during the examination of a female present? Okay. I object to the form, and then I will <clears throat> also advise you to take the fifth. I take the fifth. Next would have been the personal deposition in which Witt planned to ask Gupta about prior allegations against him. We were on a break because Dr. Gupta wanted to take a break. I think he said he had to go to the bathroom or something. And then lo and behold, I'm in the middle of the deposition and then Dr. Gupta doesn't return. And I hear he's left the building and he's disappeared in the middle of his deposition. And then they land on the table in front of me a notice of filing bankruptcy. The bankruptcy filing didn't end the civil case. It just stalled it even more. Which was, again, pure gamesmanship. About a year before his plea deal, Gupta agreed to settle with the high school student and her family. Gupta's attorney had once offered to settle for $25,000. In the end, Gupta's insurance company paid $475,000. More than half of it went to the girl and her family. Things weren't going as well for Latoya Kelly. While the criminal case and the litigation were still pending, LaToya and Terry suffered a horrible personal tragedy. A few weeks after that call from Detective Rampley, LaToya found out she was pregnant. Then she found out she was pregnant with twin girls. But her hypertension caused pregnancy complications. 
She spent weeks hospitalized. Then one morning her blood pressure shot up. She had a stroke. The doctors wheeled her into surgery for an emergency C-section. On September 1st, 2009, Jordan and Jada Davis were born 16 weeks premature. Jada was the smaller and the weaker, born at one pound, one ounce. Both babies spent weeks in intensive care, in incubators, but Jada had to be airlifted to a children's hospital for surgery. Latoya was holding Jordan at the hospital where she'd given birth to the twins. A nurse from the children's hospital called her cell. She said, um, how soon can you get to the hospital? I said, Jessica, what's wrong? She said, the doctor asked that you guys come to the hospital. I said, Jessica, relieve my mind and tell me what's wrong. And she said, the doctor wants you to come and spend your last few hours with her. And I said, okay, I'm on my way. I was sitting in a rocking chair. And uh, I remember looking at the machine and seeing her vitals and you could just tell Johnny, she was fighting. She was fighting. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my baby and I remember I looked at the clock and it was 7.55 p.m. And it was just like, I took a deep breath and a sense of relief came over me. And I remember I grabbed her and I, I brought her up to my mouth and I whispered in her ear and I told her, I said, baby, it's okay, you can go home. You don't have to fight anymore. And know that mommy and daddy is proud of you. It wasn't even three minutes later. My baby took a last breath. The machines were silent. And I held my baby for another hour and 10 minutes before I told anybody that she was gone. I couldn't let go. I couldn't tell nobody. Jada Davis lived five and a half weeks. December 2010. Attorney Bob McFarland took LaToya's case to a Gwinnett County civil jury, a trial that went by in a blink. She won $251,000 in damages. I, I know it was less than a day. I think maybe it was only, you know, three or four hours. Uh, he didn't show up. There was no defense. Um... It's just me and my three witnesses, opening statement, me and my three witnesses, closing statement, and the jury wasn't out, I don't know, 10 minutes. They came back, gave us $1,000 in actual and uh, 250 in punitives. <laughs> there was just no problem proving the case. It was just the easiest case to prove that I've ever had. Easy to prove, not so easy to collect. Susan Witt, a medical malpractice attorney, had handled the teenager's case as a negligence claim, focusing on shoddy medicine as opposed to intentional criminal acts that insurance companies don't cover. The girl alleged that Gupta misdiagnosed her with diabetes. When Witt settled that case, the doctor's insurance company was on the hook for the payment. But McFarlane handled Latoya's case differently, going after Gupta personally for punitive damages. Gupta, he just brushed them off. I knew we were gonna have a huge problem collecting it. He had nothing in his name. From what I remember, uh, he vacated the office and there's no bank accounts. I think we ran some kind of check of his bank accounts. And uh, there was just nothing to collect. McFarland tried to take Gupta's deposition to figure out where his assets were. Gupta sent a note from a doctor saying he couldn't do that, 
because he was suffering from panic attacks, anxiety, and insomnia. At Gupta's plea hearing, McFarland begged Judge LaGrua not to banish him, saying that if Gupta and his assets left the country, it would be, his words, just like the kiss of death for our case. So that's why the plea deal required Gupta to resolve all civil matters before leaving. It didn't help. Gupta skipped a court appearance a few months later. He said he'd be out of the country. McFarlane, for a time, thought he might be able to get Gupta locked up after all, for contempt. McFarlane sought help from the DA's office. He tried to get the Gwinnett County Sheriff's Office to arrest him. Nothing happened. In early 2012, he contacted Gupta's probation officer and found out his case had been closed, considered successfully terminated. Gupta had gone home to India. He wasn't coming back. McFarlane tried to find an Indian attorney to help him. He couldn't find anyone interested. His own energy was running out. By this time, McFarlane was shutting down his practice, retiring. He never received any money for his work on the Gupta case. Neither did LaToya. I just know I worked hard to try to collect the money, and then I won't say we gave up, but it just it got to be very confusing, especially when the you know I could never get him to show up for a deposition. I was very distraught that we couldn't do better for her. I really wish we had. And I, I looked her in the eye and I told her, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I've done everything I can do and I can't do any more. For LaToya, it felt like being violated all over again. It wasn't fair. Well, what happened? We couldn't get anything. Filed bankrupt, pew, got on the plane and left. Left nothing behind. Boarding that plane was the final step in his banishment from the United States. In fact, it was his flight to freedom, to a whole new start. He waved goodbye to his adopted country and turned his back on almost everything the American court had ordered him to do. Next week, the final episode of Breakdown, Predator MD. We found Vinny Gupta in India. What he's doing now has his victims furious. You know, a business without publicity is like winking at a girl in the darkness. You know what you are doing, but nobody else does. You've been listening to Breakdown, Predator MD, by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The story was reported and told by Johnny Edwards, produced by Richard Hallix. Audio is by Chris Basta of Bare Knuckles Creative in Atlanta. Music was composed and performed by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. Additional music composed and performed by Chris Basta. Special thanks to Burt Roten, Sean McIntosh, Lois Norder, Buddy Hall, and Chris Nicholson. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. 
Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.